Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right, and this is Division Round Playoffs NFL 2020. Some would say 2020 edition. With my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, Brad Powers. Just off a cash. Another this guy, what a cash. Another cash. We'll talk about it. Steve Fezzik, whose heart is made, it's like a paper mache of cash. Oh, come on. You can't act like that's not true, Steve. Don't make in fact he didn't really even resist. I'll take it. And I'm RJ Bell. All right, guys. This should be good. We got a lot of good work here. A lot of prep work. We might as well talk about it, Brad. Is uh, it's the Golden Nugget contest? Yep. How much was it to enter? A thousand dollars to enter. Uh oh. Okay. And <laughs> and how many people were entered? This year, two hundred eighty-two. Last year, three hundred nine. Two. How many people were entered this year? Two eighty-two. Yep. Now I'll get to last year. You cash for the and only what the top twenty cash? Only the top twenty cash. And they paid you how much? A thousand. So they're saying, "Hey, you were twenty. You were top ten percent. You don't lose anything." Yeah. And when did it go up from there? What number? Uh, you had to be in the top ten. So you're saying number eleven got their money back? Yep. That's stupid. And what number did you end up being? Fifteenth. Okay, so you're smack in the middle. Okay. And last year you ended up fourth. And how much was it? Twenty one thousand. So I guess you weren't a, you, you didn't weren't upset with the front lo- or the uh, no no poker tournament style yeah. making those uh, what's it called at the uh, you know heavily weighting the very top. Yes, there's another word for it, but I'm not sure. And what did number one get this year? Last year doesn't matter. Uh, this year it was tied. It was eighty thousand. Last year number one got like a hundred and twenty thousand. Okay, top heavy, right? And yeah, maybe huh. yeah. Talk, I mean, that's a good description. And you were there's only t- you and one other person cash both years. Yep, that's it. Good stuff. Now listeners might be saying, "Wait a minute, his best bets weren't very good here." That's the point, right? Is it might be he played this game at the Nugget because it was a half a point here, or because of something that happened in the interim. The best you can ever do with anybody is get a snapshot in time of what they like at that moment. Now, the beauty of all access at pregame.com is you get it early, you get it late, you get it in between. It's like you have a real-time perpetual relationship with the pro that you get. And generally, those do better. But just as obviously, you look at your two-year record over the college, winning on the podcast, right? Yep. Is that, is that right? Yep. Oh, yeah. All right. And over the course of time, though, I you know, the all-access probably does better, you know, just the way it is. And any given contest is going to do 
well or not based upon the numbers and the other vagaries. But there's two guys in Vegas that cash twice. He's one of them. Welcome to Mirage, Mr. Papa Giorgio. One day, baby, one day. He's <laughs> he's he's cr- crawling up. He's craw- He's just his fingernails going in whoever's back it needs to. Because, I mean, how else are you going to get up on their shoulders, right? I mean, right, Brad? Well, I mean, you could take out their knees. I <laughs> Only one necessary. Yeah. He was the baddest cat around until I showed up. How you feeling, Faz? How many cashes you got in the last two years? Zero point zero. <laughs> now, did you enter the, the uh, nugget? I did not. You just, but aren't you're like you're like uh, like fifty thousand from a million lifetime winnings, right? In contests, yeah. But I, maybe you should enter a few contests, dum dum. Y- yeah, it's been fifty thousand <laughs> away the last two years. I only entered the circa and the uh, Westgate this year. That was so it. you were in the circa. I was. I didn't even bother with that. What was it? A thousand. Thousand. <sighs> Too many people. The hoi polloi. You want to look that up, Brad? The uh, it, it, it become. I mean, how many people were in it? Don't know. It was like 1500 So actually less than the Super Contest. I like that $5,000 entry. It's like I like to be in the part of the restaurant. Mm. You can't, you know, you'd think as a coal miner's son that I'd be like a man of the people. I am conceptually. I really am. Like I hate authority. I hate um, organizations. Any type of like attempting to dictate from – you know, the master's on high. I, you know, I'm just a rebel at heart. I really am. A pirate. Hoi polloi, the masses, the common people. Yeah. Oof. But let's be candid. In Vegas, I, you know, again, I'm from a small town, but I've been in Vegas 22 years, come Jan- or pretty much 22 years in a week or two, is you go to, like, not a bad part of town, but not a good part of town. Let's say Flamingo in Maryland. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is that all right? Yeah. So right around campus. Yeah. You walk on a Friday night into a 7-Eleven to get gas. It looks like a skate from New York. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, right or wrong. Right. So like. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and you'll get, you'll never see such a variety of people. You got the guy with the Mercedes, right? And then you got That's the. you. And then you, and you got the guy that just looked like he got out of and jail. His, and his fist ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I listen. I want them all to be free. I just don't want them around me. <laughs> I can't lie. Now, <laughs> now it's funny. If I'm back in some hilljack area, I I can get along like nothing. I mean, that's who I you know. I grew up with those people, so it's like I don't. I'm not them. I wasn't them even when I was them. But I I you know we all kind of I think are more sympathetic to what we, you know, what we grew up with and what we feel like is our own, you know, toothless meth heads was not my upbringing. So it's just, you know, <laughs> and again, that's the thing is it's kind of a joke and all that. But in, you know, you, you look at these stats, it's, it's like, I mean, not that I'm an authority, but just on st- statistics of what, uh, you know, what the drug use is here, there, or the other, or what, you know, but it just strikes me that, there's just this huge culture where, you know, obviously you hear about oxy, cotton, and all the, the opioids, and, and no doubt that's going on. But maybe you don't see those people as much because, you know, downers, you're down. You're not really super energetic. 
I mean, just drinking beer in a way is a downer, and people usually aren't super energetic. But with the the speed, the amphetamines, it's like you know they're just out and about. It does have an element of uh, night of the living dead element to it. (laughs) So, but then you think about it is you've got like we said the all of the prescriptions drugs that billions of dollars was made on, right? And the doctors being pushed to prescribe it. And then you think on the amphetamine side, you've got Adderall, which are, is given to kids often. And uh, what's the other one? R- uh, Ritalin, mm. right? Ritalin. And it's like that's literally just a pharmaceutical grade. I don't know. Look it up on the internet. I don't want to act like I'm a chemist, but uh, I was saying for the audience, Brad, but you oh, can't. Okay. But I think it was one molecule different between Adderall and meth. But it's like, you know, very similar. Now, is that is that molecule the key? I don't know. But I can't imagine that uh, someone doing Adderall for 10, 20 years is going to be a good thing. So it's interesting where there's all the it's, I guess I'm showing my bona fides of being a man of the people. But it does seem egregious to me. That there's so many people in jail for pretty much doing what the pharmaceutical companies are making billions of dollars doing. Now, it's one thing if you are very careful and you're making a drug to help, you know, chronic cancer patients or something be comfortable at the very end. But when it's proven that they have a system in place to try to incentivize doctors to get people to prescribe something that you know is hyper-addictive, I mean, that's, that's like war crime stuff to me. I mean, just think about it. Imagine sitting in a room and saying, okay, we know that 28% of the people that will take this bottle will get hooked. And we know once they get hooked, they're coming to us. And let's pay these doctors. Now, how much are we going to make each addict we create? Okay, 4000 Now, if we pay 500 acquisition cost per addict, we're going to make a lot of money. Go. Meet back here in six months. It's like... Imagine that being taped in it, but it was like a you know drug dealer doing it. You'd be like death penalty, but like how do you, it's the same thing, right? Fast. I think it's all documented in the movie Midnight Express. Remember, is that Billy Hayes came out and said, "Hey, what one society says is perfectly legal, and you make money off of another society will lock you up for three and a half years, or maybe give you a life sentence." It all varies. That's true, but this is the same society. Like I get, you know, coffee house philosophy one hundred and one. Is if I'm on this side of the state line, you know, back in the day, it was the age of consent is this, but over here it's that. And it's like, okay, that's hypocritical in a way, but it's a different jurisdiction. You get it. This is the same freaking place, right? And all that money in Kentucky, Ohio, whatever that was made, yeah, it's a different conversation. But I felt a need to prove my bona fides after I said the hoi polloi. (laughs) Let's do it. Showtime! Woo! Brad, I'll give you honors. Run the games down for us. All right, first one Saturday afternoon, NFC Divisional. Minnesota's at San Francisco. San Francisco, a seven-point home favorite. Okay, so let's talk what's obvious. One, we had the Vikings last week. I advised Sprinkle on the money line. I felt Uh like that the game that we wanted obviously was a closer game. I thought there was a chance the Cousins... You know, has an avalanche against them. You know, I I just want to spend a minute on Drew Brees because I think it's too easy. And Mackenzie, do me a favor. Let's look at Drew Brees' 
last X Games, and we'll figure out where we want to stop. But it strikes me he well, what I know is he finished the year, uh, I think third this year in QBR, and last year he was second. So all this talk about is that right? Fast? Yes. All right. So all this talk about Drew Brees is dropping off. Mahomes and Drew Brees were one and two last year, and they're two and three this year. So literally, there's a hair's difference between Mahomes and Drew Brees. Now you might say, well, what about the drop off at the end of the year? If we look at the Football Outsiders game by game, and just give me the, or I guess not Football Outsiders. Let's look at QBR. Give me the the game by game QBR. So the last game, the playoff game was 47. All right, so smack dab in the middle, a little smidge down. Uh, week 17 was 88. Pretty good. The Panthers. 53 against the Titans. All right, smidge above. 96 against the, the um, Colts. And that was the Monday night, 29 to 30, I think. 94 against the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. 53 against the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And 79 against All the right. Panthers. So... Well, my guess is if you cherry, that's interesting. I don't know how they weight QBR, but give me the mean and go back like three, four, five games. And obviously we're going to cherry pick and end on a good one and tell me his mean versus his season long. So Fez, you got a season long QBR. What is it? 72. All right. 72. And since week 11, he was 78. So, I mean, this end, you know, this idea he's fading at the end is crap. So you, we're going to hear that a hundred times, and it's wrong. Does anyone disagree? Nope. Nope. So what happened, Fez? Why, how'd the Vikings win? One with offense, one with Dalvin Cook running the ball well, one with Adam Thielen putting up 129 yards, and uh, Kirk Cousins, as you predicted, in his preferred time slot, playing a really solid game. So this is work that Jonas Knox uh, inspired – one of the straight out of Vegas guys. McKenzie did the work. And what we got here is that literally, and this is a way to think about it I hadn't thought about. No quarterback that I'm aware of had any kind of career in which they had a better ATS result than 64%. And right now, that's what Cousins has 64% against the spread. That's what Cousins has at 1 o'clock Eastern start times. Doesn't matter if it's in Minnesota, which it's, you know, local time is noon, but it's still 1 o'clock Eastern. And no quarterback that's had any kind of career, meaning any length of a career, is worse than Cousins when he's not at 1 o'clock, which is like 33%. So... To me, to think about it, Cousins is better than the best quarterback of all time against the spread when he starts at one. And he's worse than the worst quarterback of all time (laughs) when he starts other than one. So the idea, and and this is something on New York radio, Dave Rothenberg asked me, and the exact numbers, by the way, 34 and 18 ATS at 1 o'clock, 65% one push. And the non one o'clock's 12 and 24, 33%, one push. Two thirds, one third. And I told Rothenberg, I go, you know, it was one of my best bets with him. And he said, You're telling me that the game wasn't at one o'clock? 
you wouldn't be playing this? I'm like, I'd probably lean the other way. I think it's that important. And, I mean, Fats, can you think, and play devil's advocate even. This didn't just come out of nowhere. This came out of an article of him talking about routine is very important to Cousins. That's what led us to do the research. People are mistaking this to be bright lights, nighttime games, prime time versus, oh, when no one's watching. I don't think it is. And we actually dug in and found the games at one that were big, big games. He was fine. And the lesser games at four, he was fine. You know, the non-high-profile games. Thoughts? I think you alerted me to this whole one-factor trumps all situations in games and to look for those big time. And I really think this is the case with Cousins. That one factor of him being comfortable trumps everything else. And let's face it, he's comfortable, right? It's 20 to 20. It's an overtime. The bright lights are bearing down upon him. And what happens? The Saints shut down cornerback. Lattimore goes out of the game. He's injured. Now, maybe this is Zimmer and good coaching, but I think it's also Cousins, that awareness, that being comfortable, boom, throws the bomb to Thielen, takes advantage of Latimer being out of the game. He was in sync. No doubt. Great, great way to, I think, speak. Here's my question, though. If we believe these numbers, now, whenever you've got numbers like this, you've got to assume the impact might be half of what they seem because some of it could be random. The sample size isn't huge. So let's just say we take 65%, 50, say 15% variance to our, or differential. Let's cut it in half, make it eight, 58%, let's say, at one. And vice versa, take 17%, 50 to 33, take eight there, you know, 42. 58, 42, let's say. Now, if there was a quarterback that was 58 and the other one is 42, and one was starting over the other, how many points would you generally say? So this would be still a very bad starter against a very good starter. Plus three versus minus three points. Yeah, so you're saying about six points. Right. Because, I mean, the difference between Mahomes and his backup, Matt Moore, is eight. I think we made seven and a half just because Matt Moore played so much better. Yeah, but yeah it eight, it's eight. You're but, right. but what I'm saying is the idea that this feels like that range would be even greater. But let's... Let's just say six points, right? Conservative, right? But it makes sense. Maybe. So, I mean, what I mean, it could be conservative, but let's say mm-hmm. it's a good guess. Right. How in the heck could you bet the game if you tell me there's a six-point mm-hmm. factor that the market's not accounting for without it being the only – you're never going to get six points anywhere else. Yeah, most your power rating is going to be two and a half points off, typically. Which is rare. Which is rare. And then you might have situational edges, mm-hmm. and that's assuming – all the situation edges and stuff are not being accounted for, right? right? A lot are. We're fighting for a point and a half or two points. If this is right, we're looking at six points. Even if we say we've already cut it in half, let's cut it in half, half again, again and say it's worth three, it still trumps everything. Yes. When's this game? 435. All right, next game. <laughs> That's funny. So do we have to look we have to look at the 49ers of pass, I, right? I think so. And I think we can make the other case. Cousins is a creature of habit, right? Well, all of a sudden he played on Sunday, and now he's got to play the first game on Saturday. That doesn't sound like a guy that is you know, regimented and programmed into a normal weekly schedule, that that's going to be conducive to success as well. So you're saying the Saturday start is like a double whammy upon his schedule. 
I would think so. I think so, too. Uh, I hadn't point. thought of that. It's a good one. Hey, Mackenzie, do me a favor. Look up. Um, I was hearing someone talking about grass. And remember, we did a little work on um, marijuana. No, no, not that grass. Is we did a little bit of work on uh, Minnesota on the road where on turf they weren't so bad. And can you look into that? Just, you know, get us some, some broad strokes. Hmm. So what's your, uh, where are you at on the game? Interesting that you say that, RJ, because I sure hope you didn't look at my notes from yesterday because a whole lot changed today. Let me go ahead and read my notes. And well, first I, off, the notes that you submitted that are the, your official document, it's rep- well, I'm, I might have read them, I might not. It doesn't matter, though. What did you have? I've got Vikings appear to finally be healthy on offense. Dalvin Cook looked good. And I've got Adam Thielen having that monster game. And Thielen, after not being 100%, finally looks good. Well, guess what happens in practice today? Uh-oh, Adam Thielen hurts his ankle and leaves practice. We have not gotten a report yet on that. So, And the sun goes down in the west. You think I mean, it he's might hurt all the time, it seems like, right? Yeah, but I mean, that was that, the reason that Minnesota won the game outright. They would have covered anyways was because Adam Thielen came up so big. Now, did the market move on this news? It did not. Hmm. And I am shocked by this because not only did the Vikings offense take a hit with Thielen, but, and this is probably a non-entity, but Diggs has been, uh, he's been ill the last two days. He missed practice back-to-back uh, days. Probably not a big deal, but it can't be a positive. So both wide receivers have issues for the Vikings right now. And I'm not sure what the answer is because that's kind of the point. But I'm a little apprehensive of saying, oh, Minnesota did well last week because they were finally healthy. It's like, is that going to be the cue of when they're healthy is when they play well? And then when they're not playing well, they're not healthy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't seem right. They could have been healthy two weeks ago, and for some other reason, they were effective against the Saints. It was so extreme, though, with Thielen that since October 7th, he only had 109 pass yards, and then he got 129 in one game versus but, but, five. But that's the thing is, if he had been out, 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 played one game poorly— then the next week played well, I could say, okay, came back a week early. But when you play four weeks and you're limited, it seems, and then the fifth week you play great, it doesn't feel like at some point on the 29th, 30, 31st day since you were healthy enough <laughs> to come back is your health is the only thing that got you to the next level. Yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. No. So it's usually going to be a line, right? It's going to be some type of um, continuum Back to health, not like some quantum leap after four weeks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so to say that, oh, Thielen's 100% now because he had that monster game, that's probably not accurate. It could have been something about the Saints defense. Who knows? I yeah. mean, that's what I. And how many was on that one pass play when Lattimore wasn't in the like game? Like a 50 yard pass. Yeah. So, so what's your pick on the game? In my notes, I said that I leaned so Minnesota. Mm-hmm. My, ofi- since I, my official pick is, to, is just a lean to Minnesota. Okay. However, San Francisco, I talked about Minnesota getting bad news today. San Francisco gets good news. So we talked about that San Francisco defense. That was awesome. The first seven games of the year, giving up 11 points per game. Since then, not very good at all. The last nine games, San Francisco's been giving up 26 points per game. Well, the 
demise of the San Francisco defense coincided with a key injury. Their middle linebacker, Quan Alexander, was hurt in the eighth game against Arizona. And since then, they've been bad on defense. Now, they've had defensive line injuries as well, and D. Ford has been out since November 21st. He's their best defensive lineman. Well, here come the reports. Adam Schefter's reporting that Alexander, the linebacker, has been out since week seven. He's on pace to play for this game. And D. Ford, Ian Rappaport's reported, is expected to return. So these are two really important guys that should help the San Francisco defense immensely if they're able to play at anywhere close to 100%. What was the win total for the 49ers entering the year? Eight. It just seems like to me that we're assuming that those eight games are the truth, except we've had eight games that they were really good, right? Is that about right, the defense? Yes. In eight games that they were, you know, a little above average? I wouldn't even go that far. Right. Yeah, if you stack rank their points per game allowed, it was 24th in the last nine games. If you look at the last yeah. nine. Now, I get it. If we knew this was like the 85 Bears coming back and the baseline on the 49ers was this is a great D. They haven't been great for nine games, and the reason is mm. these guys are out. Couldn't it be that these the guys are out, but they're not that good? Like, if these guys were that good, why is the win total eight entering the year, mm. right? They weren't considered that good. Then they became that good, and now they're not that good. But we think the reason that the 49ers aren't that good on defense is because of injury. Maybe it's just that's the true level of the D. Wouldn't that D that we saw in the last eight or nine games be commensurate with a, a win total of eight? Yes, so why would we trust the aberration, which is the eight games, instead of trusting the entire market's assessment entering the year and the second eight games? On one hand, you've got eight games that says great D, right? On the mm-hmm. other hand, you've got the market before the season saying not a great D, and you've got the most recent eight games saying not a great D. I, I agree with you. And if you look at well, it, it didn't sound like you just did. And if we're going to wait it, we're going to say what? 20% for preseason expectations, maybe 30% for the first half of the year. We got to wait the second half of the year more, obviously, maybe 50%, right? Yeah, but it, this is something apparently I just reevaluated. My one insight changed your whole opinion on the game because you were talking about these injury. Re- and listen, maybe that is very possible that the fact that the bad turn happened with some injuries. If this was just random where there was no real injuries and they dropped off, I think it was almost 100% the truth was the last eight games, right? Right. Here, I think it's a real chance that it's not, that the truth is that they were good. But I think the idea that everyone's talking about that like it's a foregone conclusion is wrong. Yeah, I agree with that. And it hasn't just been these two guys. These are the two most important guys, D. Ford and Alexander. On an 8-18. and Yes, but if you look look at this defensive line, I mean, talk about your cluster injuries. There's four guys that are out for the year on that D-line as well. So they're not coming back. So that's a major issue. So that's interesting. The lineup they had in those eight first games, if these two guys come back, who else? Who's missing from the first eight? There's still multiple guys. I don't know which how many of these guys were starters, but four guys on the D line, and they've all exited between November 21st and December 27th. So during the back end of the year, what do you got, Brad? I'm landing Minnesota. As much as there is a concern about Cousins, I don't have a concern about Minnesota's head coach Mike Zimmer. We talk about Cousins' poor record, nine one o'clock. 
Here's some good ATS numbers for Zimmer. 64% against the spread all games. Non-division opponents, 71% against the spread as a head coach. And I I got to think for as much love as Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan get, this is their first playoff game ever. So I think that there could be some extra nerves for a young head coach and a quarterback that's never been. I love Jimmy G. <laughs> that's never been at this level before. I am leaning with Minnesota, plus a seven. Now, if you hear that Zimmer stat, if I said explain, if a little kid said, Mr. Powers, can you explain that stat to me? What would I, you say? I would say it's Zimmer doesn't get the credit. as He's not as flashy as a, obviously like a – well, Belichick's not flashy, but Belichick's a known commodity. Sean Payton, an offensive guy, gets a lot more publicity. Harbaugh, with him and his brother, a lot more publicity. Specifically, though, the non-division stat. Oh, the non-division stat would be an elite coach. When you have an unfamiliar opponent, that's where he's going to have mm-hmm. his greatest you know, superiority over that opponent when there's not familiarity. But wouldn't you say San Francisco having two weeks to get ready? And thus, was they probably spent a yeah. little bit more time on the Saints, but they still probably spent 60-40. Yeah. Does that even it out? Because in yeah, a way, a they, couldn't you make the case the 49ers had one and a half weeks to get ready? If they spend half a week yep. getting ready. So it might Good even point. that out. And the Saturday start benefits them more because now Minnesota only has six-sevenths of a week. That's a good point. Mm. All right, Mr. Oh, we got some grass stuff. Yeah, so with Cousins, the Vikings are 2-7-1, and one, ATS and straight up on grass. And uh, even if you go back to 2016, October, they're 5-12-2 and two under Zimmer and on grass. Yes, it's hard to play football on grass. I mean, <laughs> jeez. What? <laughs> but I thought it was funny. I looked at Zimmer's whole career, and he's, he's 50-50 on grass. So it's been a recent trend. It's going to be more players. And how much speed do you have? Right. I mean, what, Team whatever it is that leads. So let, let's stick with Cousins because at least that's a, a very clean. Because if we go back to October, we're obviously cherry-picking. So give me the Cousins number again. 2-7-1 ATS and straight up. All right. So 2-7-1 on grass. <laughs> and... Sold her on like it was water. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. And then you add in the cousins, man, and a lot of things pointing against them. Oh. A lot of things. Now, I got a trend, and this is one that it's it kind of it feels a little cherry pick. So this, this isn't one that I would be betting on, like, oh my gosh, I got to bet it. But. Division round since 2006, road team off a road game, getting a touchdown or more. Now, actually, I I like the logic on this. Division round is unique as in one team has a bye, the other team doesn't. It's never like that otherwise. So I I think identifying, isolating that week is important and, and valid. Road team off a road game means there's all this talk of, Oh, they had to play at the Saints, New Orleans. Then they flew home. Then they had to go. And then Saturday, 6 7, that kind of talk, right? And the a touchdown or more is saying, hey, this team's not even in the ballpark. Uh-huh. So they got all these uh-huh. disadvantages. Cousins on grass. Those underdogs since 2006, 10 and 1 against the spread. Vikings and Titans fall into that category. I think it's just an example of the public overvaluing, like, must win. 
They're overvaluing rest, I think. What do you think, Fez? Makes sense. It's such an obvious factor and such a logical factor. You can certainly see it inflating the point spreads because of it. The hitman got good stuff for us. He's from New Jersey. His first name's Tommy. He's a school teacher. He goes by the hitman. Since 2002, three teams won outright as underdogs of a touchdown or more in the wild card round. All three lost by 10-plus points the next week. Vikings apply. Margin of victory, 22 points. Little letdown, it seems. Last thing for me on this, 49ers or actually this is one more from Tommy, the hitman. 49ers led the NFL in point differential at home this season. Never really, you know, what do you got the 49ers power rating at at home or uh, home field advantage, Fess? Three. Yeah. So, I, I mean, one year, maybe not enough, but when they're good, I mean, if I remember back to the Bill Walsh days, Montana, Jerry Rice, they're pretty good at home. Yeah. I'm thinking about that Green Bay game. What was that, 37 to 8 that um, they was one of the biggest disparate results of the year at home. Oh, oh, oh. I I thought you were going back to, like, Green Bay. Where like, <laughs> yeah, no. like Favre went as a rookie, and you were remembering, like, remember Montana? <laughs> you got one more. One more. The San Francisco offense is a lot better now than what it was during the course of the season. Let's let's talk about that. So tight end Kittle. I love Jimmy did G. Did have that broken ankle, missed two games, wasn't 100% for a while. They picked up. I mean, see, the, literally your point is that you look at the whole season, there was a tight end that missed two games. And that's a sign that they're just underrated. Like their season stats can't possibly capture the greatness of Jimmy G's crew. I'm not done yet. So, so but s- somehow that was your lead. Well, Kittle's their— That I would, was your lead. So yeah. everything from here is down. I, I, everything from here is down. I should have led—no, I should have led the, the fullback, Jusick, who is totally underappreciated. Jusick is a really good fullback. Oh, I, I, and he missed. It's the first time Jusick has come out of your mouth. J-U-S-Z. No, no, I'm not saying how to spell it. I'm saying, have you ever said that word before? Yeah, I have. When? I've said on it air? before. On air? I'll bet you $1,000 you have it on it, air with me. It's a bet. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah I think so we what, talked about it in the Monday night game against Cleveland. And he, he said was, what? How would I know how to pronounce it if I hadn't used it before? Well, in theory, well, how well, would you learn to pronounce it the first time? You would have, you would have. I'll roll word. back the curtain. I brought it up, and he might have mentioned it after I br- brought it up in a production in this- meeting before straight out of Vegas. Oh, about how important oh, he was. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. All and, right, go ahead. And you have brought up how important Sanders is. I have said number about one. Jusick. All right. San- <laughs> Sanders, obviously, they get him from Denver October 27th, halfway through the year, and he's the be- arguably the best wide receiver. How much of this San could Fran be maybe also. that their defense sucked in the second half, and when your defense sucks, you got to score more points. It just happens, right? I mean, if you look at which team was that? Tennessee. Went, Tennessee mm. went up uh, 14 points or something. Yep. And it was uh, not, but their defense went down nine points. Yeah, that's a, that right. is a great example. They don't put up forty six against forty eight against the Saints unless the Saints get forty six. So that is a great. So point. what I'm saying is, is it makes sense that the, that, that the defense is stinking? They're they're having to take more chances. They're playing with more pace. Come on, the offense is significantly better. Breda, the running back, well, was hurt also. There's a bunch of guys, so they're fully uh, what healthy. Do you mean in a offense. bunch of guys. I just named four. No, I, I, I didn't hear anything after Juicy. Who was after that? Uh, Breda, the running back. Although what, what's his stats? They're, what's his stats? Look them up. They're not as good as Mozart, the well, other running back. Yeah, not as good with the flute either. All right, 
720 for Mozart, 620 for Brita. So 620 yards. So when Breed is out, does Mozart have to sit too? No. So I'm confused. That second yeah. run, like, really? And Mozart's really good. So. so why are you talking about it? They're just loaded at running back now. That's the, and they're all no names, right? Yeah. So continue. Who's the fourth name? I just named four people. Uh-oh. Four. One, two, three, four. Kittle, Jusick, Sanders, and Ten, Brita. Nine, Oh, Sanders. Five, yeah. four, How's this that? He's got 500 yards. He only played for half a year. And and he didn't play at all for Denver? Oh, I didn't pull up the, the, the Denver yards. Are we sure? 869 yards total. Say it again? 869 total on the season. So Samuel has comparable numbers. Their, their other wide receivers got a little over 800. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What's the total? I mean, what's the total saying? Because in a weird way, this is the tale of two seasons. What, the total is saying which season's more legitimate. The total is dropping. It's gone down from 45 to 44, which really surprised me. But I know Brad had some really good numbers on games in San Francisco. Well, the weather's playing a role. The wind's going to be like 15 miles an hour. And if you just blindly bet the under in every single game in this stadium since it opened up, you're hitting like 61%. And how long is that? What's the span of time? Uh, since it opened, I believe, in 2014. So this is one where there's college games sometimes. And yeah, you use that. college games. Yep. So, Fez, I, I guess my question, though, is looking at the let's, – let's account for the weather, but looking at the number, if you would be – if this was like week 10 and all we had was the last nine games, so the, this defense is bad, offense is better, theory of yours, what would the total be? So let's look. I mean, give me the numbers that you're thinking about. 46. Give me the numbers you're thinking about, like how you're driving. Oh, coming. because I've got Minnesota as having the eighth-best offense and the eighth-best defense, and I've got San Francisco right now with the fourth-best offense and the seventh-best defense. So pretty comparable I'm on not both asking sides. for your handicap. I'm asking if we assumed that the second half of the year was the truth, mm. what would the total be? So give me the—we got all these numbers here about 23 points here, 14 think we got a little back of the napkin stuff here. So if you look at the second half of the year, pretty much, uh, I guess last nine here, Fez? Yes. With the 49ers, 30 points of offense, 26 points given up on D. So we're saying they're about plus 10 on the mark or the average in the NFL this year, points. Vikings, 25 offense, 19 D on the season, because we don't yep. think there was any major change. 44 minus 2. Plus 10 minus 2, plus 8, average 46, 54 is a back of the napkin. And the total is what? 44. Let me see. That's low. Yeah. <laughs> so, what the heck? Now, we got the trend that's saying 61% here. And you're saying like 60 games? Yep, about 60 games, college and pro. Last 10 or 20 games, it's dropped off, It's right? dropped off, yep. All right, because I think the market's adjusted. Yes. Mm-hmm. Weather's moved to a point and a half. Yep. But still, Fez, this is the market saying, we believe that the 49ers' offense was what it was before. It didn't get all of a sudden so great. Now, you know what you need to do? You need to bet, like, max, you know, a couple limit bets right now on over-team total 49ers, Right. Yes. He looks scared. Why not? Why are you scared right now? Because you know I'm always paralyzed with fear when I see the marketplace, especially early in the week, 
going against my opinion. But you didn't have trouble spouting it off here. Ah, Jimmy G. Four guys. Four I love reasons. Jimmy G. Oh, four. I mean, listen, oh. Spagnolia is go, it was out. Remember? <laughs> yeah, he got 222 Too yards. Too sick. I mean, so you literally are just saying, code, I didn't believe what I just said. I believe what I said. Now, then bet it. The, Put a ticket the, out, Athletic Sports. All right, the totals aren't out yet for the, the team totals, but I will. I will. You're going to just pound, pound, pound. I mean, like a big bet, right? I'll make a, I'll make a limit bet, whatever they'll give me. What will be, 25 and a half, if I did the math right? Yeah, 25 and a half. So, I mean, but all joking aside, if you believe what you're saying at all, this market is completely saying the opposite, right? This market is saying that the 49ers are no better than, you know, on offense than they were the whole, you know, the first half of the year. Exactly. Makes no sense to me. Well, so that's when you bet. That's when we bet. So at Fezzik Sports? Yes, I will tweet it. If you it. don't put it up, everyone's going to wonder. That's right. So I'll put it up. Or you can get, give me $100 and we'll edit this out. We don't usually add it. But we, we don't edit. That's what I'm saying. But for 100 I will. We're, we don't edit. <laughs> he doesn't want to bet this at all, does he? <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed, there'll be a tweet like, you know, the this line got away from me a little bit, so I didn't want to make a full bet on it. But here's a three thirty to win three. <laughs> right? You see it? I went to the treasure <laughs> island. I asked them for a max, and that's all they would give me. <laughs> I asked for five times. So all joking aside, what I mean, like, why? I get the idea that sharp money, you know, generally you don't want to bucket. I also get the idea that playing it. At the prior line, wouldn't make sense. But once the line moves, the it's the sharp money saying we no longer think they value at this, so they would have kept batting it, right? Exactly right. So if you have any real opinion, you should be able to. You're getting a half point better than their last bet, so that's taking care of half the vig right there, right? Exactly. Thus, you shouldn't be afraid. And I got asymmetric risk working for me because um, if I play over 25 and a half, what do I care if it goes to 24 and a half? They're not going to score 25 points. That's a dead number. There you go. So we'll expect it. Any closing thoughts? All right, Dave Essler, Uncle Dave, Diamond Dave, some call him. He's got a little bonus here. He's got a pick he likes and a prop he likes Remember, guys, he's been winning since Moses wore short pants. Uncle Dave. Saturday, love the Vikings plus seven. In the NFC division around last four years, there's been one game decided by more than eight points. I'm aware the Vikings have short rest and they're traveling. That's factored in. What isn't factored in is a healthy Dalvin Cook. He had three weeks of no contact, and Minnesota shut it down after the Chargers win when San Francisco beat the Rams, clinching them a playoff berth. In fact, in the four losses Minnesota had with Cook active, only one against the Bears was by more than a touchdown. That was way back in September. Vikings have a better points-per-game defense. Vikings have a better points-per-play defense. Garoppolo hasn't made a playoff start. He threw 13 picks, Cousins threw six. Last week was the first time all season the Vikings got more than a touchdown. They won the game outright in one of the toughest stadiums to win at. This week, they're catching seven against an inexperienced quarterback, Less hostile environment. And here's one. Since late October, the 49ers have been favored by more than a field goal five times and failed to cover all five times. I'm taking the Vikings plus seven points. Here's a prop bet I really love in the Vikings 49ers game. Bet Online has Garoppolo's completions over under set at 22 
and I am betting the under. In 10 of the 49ers, 16 games, he didn't complete more than that. And one of the six he did went to overtime. One, they were playing from behind late. And five of them, there were more than 50 points scored, which isn't happening Saturday. Four of the six were against division opponents, teams that know them well. He had five games where he didn't attempt more than 22 passes. 49ers scored 60 points in their last two games, with him completing 18 and 16 passes. Unless San Francisco is playing behind for most of the second half, there's no chance they put Garoppolo in a position to throw that many times. So I'm taking Jimmy G under 22 completions. Uncle Diamond Dave. Oh, that's what we need to do. We need to get like a David Lee Roth. Remember, he yeah. used to go, I'm Diamond Dave. And then just find a little clip for. Yeah, I like it. Oh, he'll hate. He'd blush and stuff. Yeah. It'd be funny when he's here. <laughs> I tell you, the guy's been winning. He came. I remember he's when. He's coming back, right? Around March Madness, he it, usually comes in. Oh, he, yeah. It should, maybe even before that, we'll try to get a double shot with him. The funny thing. <laughs> The funny thing is when he shows up the first time, Matty Holt thought like it was like uh, Paul Newman walking into Ames pool hall in the Hustler, and they're all looking at him thinking, oh, fresh meat. Nah. <laughs> Wasn't the way it worked out. Big John, you think this boy is a hustler? <laughs> Next game, Brett. Next game, AFC Divisional, Tennessee at Baltimore. Baltimore, a nine-and-a-half-point home favorite. Totals 47. Now, we were looking at this before. There's a lot of trends, big favorites and all that, but if you look at the biggest favorites, 10 points and above, so this one's on the cusp, taping on Wednesday, eight straight winners, huh? Eight straight winners if you're laying 10 or more in the playoffs. I think it makes a ton of sense. 10 or more is a threshold of this team's dominant. And we think dog or pass usually. But why do we think that? Because I think there's a real chance. You know, we were talking earlier, Fez, 33% maybe that the favorite's a little flat. Right? But there's other things. What happens if the favorite's up 14, six minutes left? Or even 17? What's their desire at that point to get more points, especially if it's three scores? Limited. Run, 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 punt. All of a sudden, there's a back door. It only has to happen every once in a while to swing the whole thing. And what happens to the dog when they're down 17 with six minutes? Sometimes they are like, hey, we lost this game, right? Yeah, exactly. So they'll punt from their own 35, fourth and eight. Hey, put up the white flag. We don't want to get embarrassed. But um, the dog in playoff games will usually go for it, in essence, helping the favorite to score more points. High risk. And then in addition... Now, that helps with scoring, but what is even more important is that usually net-net, that dog trying so hard there might end up costing them points, like you said, going for it on fourth or whatever. And it gives the favorite the extra incentive. Wait a minute, these guys just are, they should be giving up and they're trying to go for it. Well, screw that. Or they're yeah. calling timeouts. We'll punch it in on them. And plus, it's also the sense of they're not really worried. This is their time in front of the world. They want to run. I mean, you see yeah. more kind of runouts. So it makes sense to me. And you know the motivations there. There's no, you're never going to be flat yep, good in the point. playoffs. Eight straight. This one's not quite double digits. What do you got, Fed? Yeah, so we've been talking about this all year. The Baltimore defense getting better. So I've got the actual numbers with the cornerback, Peters. He got acquired and started to play October 20th. And the return of cornerback Jimmy Smith, of course, he got hurt week one. He came back November 3rd. So with both those guys playing, the Baltimore defense has been given up 
fort. I mean, you see yeah. more kind of runouts, so it makes sense to me. And you know the motivations there. There's no, you're never going to be flat. Yep, good in the point. playoffs. Eight straight. This one's not quite double digits. What do you got, Fed? Yeah, so we've been talking about this all year. The Baltimore defense getting better. So I've got the actual numbers with the cornerback, Peters. He got acquired and started to play October 20th. And the return of cornerback Jimmy Smith, of course, he got hurt week one. He came back November 3rd. So with both those guys playing, the Baltimore defense has been given up 14 points per game. That's the best in the NFL. That's what New England gave up over the course of the season. And no opponent has topped 21 points. So we all know that Lamar Jackson has been incredible with this offense for Baltimore, with that defense playing so so well with Peters and with Smith. How good has Baltimore been? They were already a public team. They're already a first-place team, rocking and rolling, and Baltimore is not. Lamar nice. Jackson, football sexy. Ex- exactly. So Baltimore, since both these guys have been playing 9-0 and straight up, 8-1 and against the spread, with an average against the spread margin of 15 points per game. Baltimore has been undervalued because, remember, they started out the year, and that defense wasn't very good. That defense was giving up six yards per play. Remember Cleveland going crazy with Chubb yep. and company, um, running all over them um, early in the year when they started 2-2. Two and two. So I can make a case that Baltimore, despite that tremendous run, has actually been underrated because we all knew their offense was really good, that their defense has gotten so much better. And on top of that, I thought you had a really good stat on Tennessee and you have some questions about the effectiveness of Derrick Henry after now back-to-back games carrying 30 plus yeah so Derrick Henry's an interesting um, character here because in week 16 of the NFL season they rested him he didn't play and then week 17 he had 32 carries and then the playoffs against well, remember he was rested apparently from the 32 and then in New England he had 34 Four carries. So I went back through his career and said, how unusual is this for Derrick Henry to tote the ball 30 times? This is not a usual thing for any back. And as it turns out, in his four-year career, Derrick Henry only had one game with 30 carries prior to this. Back in 2018 in December, he had 33 carries versus the Giants. The next week, he won 21 carries for 84 yards against Washington. So um, Derrick Henry has had two really monster workload games back-to-back. How will we be in this game? We will see. I would say they can hold on. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. That's great analysis. I wouldn't I I have no data points or, or historical stuff to look at, but I would anticipate that he will not be the beast that he's been the past two games. I agree. I'll bet I'm going willing so far. What do you think his, his rushing yards will be? His uh prop rushing wow. yards. I am not sure if it's going to be over a hundred. I don't. I I think he's going to get the carries, but I certainly don't think he's going to be as effective. I, it makes sense he's going to get the carries. Why? That's two of Tennessee's best performances of the entire season. Why wouldn't you continue to do the same thing? And do they trust Tannehill? I know it worked last week in New England, but still a guy only had seventy-two passing yards. Do they really truly trust Tannehill on the road? I, I just I think. Henry's going to continue to get the carries. I just don't expect him to be anywhere near as effective as what Why? he's been the last couple of weeks. Why? Fatigue? Because, I mean, if, you, if you, you've just done something you haven't done your entire but, but NFL we never career. Heard of, we never heard about that before. Last week we were hearing he was rested. True. Right? So we could have said last week, well, let me tell you something. It's almost unprecedented. There's only one time Henry ever has had 30-plus carries. Didn't hear that. We heard he was rested because of the week before. So if he was rested last week, it's one game later. I'm not saying 
that that's not a game that counts, but it's like, does he go from rested to depleted in one game? Seems like a lot. I'm being sarcastic. I'm just looking at the 66 carries over two games, and it's just so unprecedented that I, you know, these guys talk about how the Monday after they feel like they've been in a car crash when they've had, you know, that many collisions. We'll see. You know, another interesting factor with Henry is Baltimore. One of their players came out. I'm sorry, I don't have his name. And he was like, ah, the New England defense, you know, they're soft. They didn't look like they wanted to be tackling Henry. It'll be no problem for us. So uh, Baltimore, a little talk about shutting down Henry. So what does that mean? Is that good or bad? I think that's bad for Baltimore, right? I don't know. You know what I know? Dungy on the Football Night in America, they got the after show. They do just for the web, I think. And he said he believes that the Ravens, with their heavy blitzing offense, is going to have a lot of trouble against a big bruising back. That in Mm. general, a big bruising back is the antidote against blitzing defenses. So I think Brad's right. I think that he's going to get his carries. And to me, if you get your carries, you can't. I don't think you can ever make an under bat on a prop if it's about efficiency. I think you got to make it about use. Because there's just say, I think he'll get 28 carries, but I'm going under whatever yards. Unless the yards are absurd, I don't think you can, right, Fez? Yeah, I agree. The um, The utilization is more important than the efficiency. I'm going back to his college days because I do remember Derrick Henry carrying the rock a lot. But in his Heisman winning year, he only had one game of back-to-back 30 or more carries. It was actually back-to-back 40-plus carries. How did he do in that third game? Even though he had rest after these two games that he carried it uh, more than 40 times were at the end of the regular season. Then he had three weeks off until the college football playoffs. We're going to try to somehow correlate some game three. But I'm just saying it was one of his worst games of his entire season. It might be. I think I'm guessing he played a pretty good team. Michigan State, they won 38-0. And how many points do you have? He only had seventy-five yards rushing. How many carries? Twenty. Three point eight was the second worst performance of the whole year. Hmm. So you think he was fatigued three weeks later? Fair enough. I don't know. It's just Hmm. Lordy, I hope he's ready for next year. You know what's interesting though? This makes the absurdity of them running him so hard in week seventeen. It really stands out now, doesn't it? It. I mean, in a way, how couldn't it? Unless you knew you weren't going to have him carry the ball a bunch. Against New England, which obviously they wanted to, why would you set up if you somehow win that game, you're going to have Henry being, you know, maybe depleted? (laughs) Let me ask you this. How much of the Ravens' D do you think is about them having the lead so much in those games? I get the idea that, oh, wait, I changed my windshield wipers and the car starting. Maybe it's that. I get that we're trying to grasp at patterns. How good is Jimmy Smith? Meaning, entering the year, I didn't think I heard. I don't think I heard you talk about the Smith brothers for Green Bay. <laughs> I didn't remember much Jimmy Smith talk. Zadarius and um, and Preston. Yeah, um, that's a good point. By all and I didn't hear you up. How much did you upgrade the Ravens when they traded for Peters? Don't recall making any any adjustment. Any adjustment. But now it's that those are the two that's making I, the big change. You know that that is always a danger whenever we're looking for patterns for you especially. in a team that oh suddenly they played you awesome. Grasp at injuries like no one I've ever seen. 
That's mm. been recent too. Exactly. I, you know, when I first moved to Vegas. Because like, yeah. it feels like that's real work, is what it is. But what's happened is I we've talked about. I much I I spent much more time with the injury reports and with the players, and probably I've fallen into a trap where I've I've got because I've got more knowledge, and maybe that knowledge is not power in this case, where I am. Um, going ahead and trying to attribute um, recency um, things that I'm seeing to that injury report. What? I'm I'm looking for answers. Listen, there's nothing more to say. (laughs) What do you got, Brad? Anything else? I do like the under here. You like it? I do, and I think, you know, another reason where I do expect Tennessee to go the route of giving Derrick Henry carries is what's the best defense of Lamar Jackson is to keep him off the field. So, And we saw them play keep away against New England last week. Hold on one second, Brad. Mackenzie, jump in. There's a stat, game control or something, it's out there, but it really is when are you in the lead? But maybe we can find something percentage. In the, I bet the Ravens have been in the lead. Whatever metric they're using for game control, more than any team, and, and not only this year, I bet in memory. I, I just, agree. I really yeah. think the defense might be more about that. Because remember, <clears throat> we look at this as a whole season that Baltimore did well. Remember, they went in and quite frankly, I mean, how would you describe their game against Kansas City? They were down by 17. Disappointing. What, I'm saying, what they, I'm saying is they barely they covered the spread. They were fortunate to cover. I mean, it was like they weren't supposed to be on the same field. Yeah. So what's happened? Like, what's different? That's the thing. Is is I'm not saying nothing is, but I'm saying we can't act like this was just one season where Baltimore's been dominant the whole year because they really haven't been. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the net margin in these games. So they dominated Miami. They won by six at uh, hosting Arizona. They lost by five at Kansas City backdoor. They lost by 15 against Cleveland. Then they won by three in overtime at Pittsburgh. Juju fumbled the game away. Then they won by six against Cincinnati. And then 14 against Seattle. 17 against New England. 36 against Cincinnati. 34 against Houston. 39 against the Rams. The margin. And then three against San Fran. Seven at Buffalo. 21 Jets, 16 Cleveland, 18 Pittsburgh. I mean, it is a tale of two seasons, and it doesn't feel like it's all D. I mean, if you just look at the, the points scored, I mean, this is starting in against Seattle, 30, 37, 49, 41, 45, 20, 24, 42, 31, 28. So I think the D might be more about they're in such control. Mm. And then you're against a blitzing uh, or their defense is blitz-oriented, right? Yep. And if a team's playing from behind, one strip sack, one, and all of a sudden Mm. it's off to the races. Well, you know what the the offense is going to do. they got to throw the football when they're down. You just got to wonder if this game's – I mean, this might be an in-game tip. If they get smashed in the mouth. Or Derek even if Henry it's just even if it's close. just like tied, you know, mm. in the third or something, you got to wonder: is this D as good as they seem 
because of the addition of Jimmy Smith and a, a guy they traded for. Would they get a fifth round pick for him? Yeah. I mean, the, supposedly that McVay isn't stupid, right? So I don't know. What do you think, Fest? Yeah, I think it's a great point that Baltimore's had these big leads game after game after game, you know, and not just the question about is the defense when they're not blitzing and going up against passing teams are forced to pass. I got a question, how's the team going to react if it's a close game because frankly they haven't had very many of them at all and the I'm whole second half of the year that. and they didn't seem to do very well <laughs> when the game so $10 fine. <laughs> no, 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 no. And you look you look back at the Pittsburgh game and they were fortunate to win. You know, here's a close the first game. One, the yeah, first. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was kind of – they hadn't even busted yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. What, what do we got, McKenzie? When the Ravens' defense starts to drive, they have by far the highest average lead, 9.4 points per game. And who's number two? Patriots at 7.9. Okay. So that's interesting. So the average game situation when they get the ball – Plus nine points. The theory is it'd be about the same, if not identical, with the other team getting the ball, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, no, two that, scores. That's when, the Ra- that's when the other team gets the oh, ball. Oh, it is one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so on average, the offenses are down two scores. Two scores, yep. The only team in the league. And obviously, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of possessions early when that isn't the case. Yep. So, I don't know. Now, in a way, you could say, RJ, what's the difference? Well, the difference is if the game is close. But if they're so good, the game's not going to be close. I mean, this might be, you know, I, I, I haven't done this work. You got to wonder if this ATS margin run of theirs is, is as good as any we're ever going to see. I mean, they covered all but the San Francisco game out of the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So 10 and one, last 11. You know, Mackenzie, my printout on that doesn't have the – I have it closed, the, the ATS margin. Just do me a, a, a sum of, like, all the way back to, like, you know, just a good break point where it's it's a hot number. You know what I'm saying? My, you know, probably somewhere back around Seattle, I'd say. In fact, yeah, do it to Seattle. Yep, Seattle started their 10-1 streak. They are 16 points – Better than expectations. I mean, th- that's that is yeah. unfreaking believable. And they were already playing well. It wasn't like they came out of nowhere at that point. Well, they only covered one out of seven up uh, to that point, hmm. right? All right. Remember, they they beat Buffalo against the spread, lost to Arizona, Kansas City. Oh wait, how do we have Kansas City as the loser? It's because it it opened at six and closed at four and a half. Okay. And we'll, you know, and then Cleveland, they lost. Pittsburgh, they lost. And Cincinnati, they lost. So against the spread. And then it's like gang by. I mean, this is really to end to see. You know, that's interesting. I mean, it's arbitrary 11 games. Maybe we just look at 10 of them and say, you know, has any team been in this universe the last 10 games of the year? I don't think so. And normally, you know, we discussed the, the, the 16-0 New England team, by example, is the point spread tax finally catching up to them that despite starting so well, they finished, I think, 2-7 and seven against the spread. 1-8. One 1-8? And eight. One and eight? Yep. Hmm. Yeah, but remember, I mean, there's no yep. spread they could have put on there. Right. <laughs> I mean, imagine hmm. the idea of like, okay, uh, you know, against the Jazz, let's make it 31 and a half. I mean, it's like that's, the, that's hmm. what we're talking about here. You know something, Mackenzie, when you do these printouts, I think let's open up that ATS margin one. All right. Anything else? One more. Yeah, go. 
Back in 2018, Baltimore did play Tennessee. And remember, the key thing we've been talking about with Baltimore is that offense. It's almost like the option. So many run-pass options. It's very difficult to practice against. If you haven't seen it, it's very difficult on the defense. But once you see it, it's certainly not easy, but it's um, less difficult. And we saw the Chargers get rolled last year against these Ravens and then beat them in the playoffs. Well, the problem is that Baltimore did play Tennessee in 2018, but that was one of the last games that Flacco played for Baltimore. So no advantage. Tennessee has not seen this offense. I thought you were going to make the point I was. I mean, let's, let's look at the second half of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was. Except, uh, you know, since he's seen it a second time, gave up 49 points. You know, I was going to use Pittsburgh, but even with the backups, and Pittsburgh's really good defense, 28 points uh, is what Pittsburgh allowed to this offense. Cleveland, 31, second time around there. Yeah, so. I, I think that's last year's perspective. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. mean, for, I mean, you see these numbers, right? Like, get, where, where is it happening at? Yeah, it hasn't been. I, I'm a, This is something that might take a whole offseason collectively by the entire NFL to try to figure out. I don't know if there's a fix for this year for this offense. Or maybe there's not a fix at all. Yeah. Because not that I'm an expert at this, but just having some buddies in coaching when I was younger, I would hang out at these camps occasionally. I mean, the very premise of defense is the quarterback can't run. Because just if you do the count, otherwise, if the quarterback can run, you know, I guess by definition, everyone's one-on-one, right? I mean, yeah. so if, if just imagine if Lamar Jackson was back there and there was one defender. He was seven yards back. It was like, you know, blow the whistle. Yeah. How many times is he getting tackled? <laughs> not much. Right now, I'm not saying yeah. that every one on one, the blockers are always going to block. But if all the if if you only just block your guy, it's Lamar against one defender. The theory when you have a non-running quarterback is you can put a point of pressure wherever that is, mm-hmm. where it's going to be two on one, and thus you're going to be disruptive. And again, that's very rudimentary. I don't think you can stop a running quarterback that can throw. The question is, can it be sustained? Can he not get hurt? Exactly right. And we haven't seen a quarterback. Thanks, Fraz. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, we just haven't seen it, right? We've what have we seen? We've seen the RG. Well, we've seen it for like and, a, a year, never yeah, more. Unsustainable. Than, yeah. who, who was the year? Well, Michael Vick had one year. But it still didn't feel like that. It felt like he was a scrambler. Okay. Right? Where these feel like design, a lot of design runs, right? And some of them up the middle, too. We've never seen it at the NFL. Uh, You know, and yeah, and and his passing is what it it doesn't have. That's the thing. If if you're committed to stop the run, the windows aren't going to be particularly tight. It's just, are you a competent passer at the NFL level? Fez, where'd you have uh, Lamar Jackson on your quarterback ratings? At the beginning of the year? Yeah. 29. <laughs> where is he at now? Second. Behind who? Mahomes. Oh, wow. Imagine that. What, what odds would you put on that? I think I would have obviously given you 100 to 1. <laughs> Which it was his MVP happen. odds. 100 to 1. And his Heisman mm. odds. Oh, geez, he's going to bring up that high. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> he's, a, he's maybe this one guy. I mean, Here's a guy defies. who the marketplace has consistently undervalued in college and the NFL to the tune of offering up 100-to-1 odds on things that he wins. 
I wonder what you could have got, Brad, when you bet that 100 to 1. Say, you see this, Lamar? I want him on the Heisman, but I want to parlay it with him winning an MVP <laughs> in his first two years. Mm-hmm. What do you think you would have got there? Oh, jeez. Maybe a billion. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, we got some tape on the Hitman? All right, we talked about him. His name's Tommy. He's a school teacher from Jersey, but he calls himself the Hitman. <laughs> Let's listen. All right, best bet. We're going to go Ryan Tannehill under pass yards. So there's no number out right now, but I expect this number to come in around 240 pass yards, and my buy price is all the way down to 225 and a half. So this year, Tannehill's averaging 242 passing yards per game in his 11 starts. But that number is not because of his passing volume. The reason he's putting up that type of yardage number is because he's averaging an insane 9.6 yards per attempt this season, which is the highest in the league. Well, Tannehill against blitz-heavy teams this season is throwing for under 6 yards per attempt against two of the top six blitz-heaviest teams in the league, which are the Buccaneers and the Patriots. Ravens, rank first in the league in blitz rate, have only allowed one quarterback to throw for higher than seven yards per attempt against them since they added Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith to the secondary. Titans have had Tannehill throw the ball only 35 times in the last two games, and he's not putting up big stats in this game unless he has a lot of passing volume. Best bet, Tannehill under pass yards. The hitman. That's pretty good couple last things. Ravens run defense, 19th football outsiders. That's below average. Tannehill, eight straight games or last eight games. Average pass attempts, 23. A lot of talk about him being good, but, man, they're protecting him. Flip side, Henry, he's the type the season progresses. People get banged up. People don't want to hit as much. He gets stronger. Now, is he fatigued? I think that's a valid question. Maybe he doesn't get fatigued. He just gets stronger. (laughs) Finally, and this is from the Hitman, Titans struggle against mobile quarterbacks. Minshew, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, three of the top five rushing QBs. Tennessee 0 for 3 in those games. They combine to complete 63% of passes, for, uh-oh, 666 yards. Hmm, evil. <laughs> and they had uh, t- about 26 yards rushing. I got to be candid. I kind of like, well, see, that's the thing. I like the over. But, yeah, I think I like the over here. I mean, not like-like. We'll call it a strong opinion. Because... I think that Lamar gets his points. And I think Tennessee is going to be throwing in a way they don't want to. And I think there will be some touchdowns. I think there will be a couple INTs. It just feels like a a real kind of blowout with the other teams still trying to you know, you know uh, come back. What do you think, Fed? Do have some weather issues here. So some wins, I think. I'm concerned. Just under, you know, say somehow managed. <laughs> I've, I've been practicing at home. I got my synonyms for concern. Uh, Did Johnny say, Daddy, why don't you, aren't you concerned anymore for me? It's like, I can't say it. No, he's like, Daddy, why do you have no $20 bills in the <laughs> wallet when I'm looking through it? Yeah, that's pretty good. The, so wind's a little less than 20 miles an hour. I think the last I checked, 70% chance of rain. Shouldn't be a hard rain, but rain. So that doesn't help. And an, another issue, not a concern, 
if you look at these two teams, Baltimore is number one in the NFL in terms of rush plays versus pass plays. They run the ball more than half the time. Tennessee is number four. So when I bet an over, I want guys, teams that are passing the ball. I don't want to play an over with two teams that are the two. Uh, Who's the leading offense in points this year? Baltimore. And they run a lot, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I hear, yeah. I think the old model, but when you, when every mm. time Lamar runs, it could be 60 yards. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It seems like the clock can tick, but they keep scoring. You want some action here? On what? I like, the, I like the under. Hmm. What now? I'm, I, I, you probably need to sweeten it a little for me. Ugh, and you you can get it because it's pretty split, 47 and 46 and a half. So I'm thinking 44. <laughs> nah, you're probably right. I, huh. I, you know, that's why I, I backed off. I didn't yeah. say I like. All All right? Right. I said I like. No, not really like. Right. But I hear I like that you want action. I like it. We'll we'll have a don't chance. We all. We'll have a chance. Don't worry about it. And obviously Tennessee falls into the back to back, you know, one last week on the road, getting over a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Next game. AFC Divisional. This is Sunday now. Houston at Kansas City. Kansas City a nine and a half point favorite. Totals fifty one. Now I'm gonna make this my over under playoff total of the decade of the 2020s so far. Exactly. (laughs) Well, sorry, I didn't meet your standards, Fezzik. Jeez. Why don't you call in the John Kelly show and tell him about it? So, (laughs) pay attention to me. Me. (laughs) That's what you would do? You'd call in the talk shows? Oh, no, he wouldn't even do it. He'd text. He'd listen. He'd spend his nights listening to the, you know, again, I the, the, it's a nice fellow, this Kelly, but you know, if you would have screamed out your window, you probably had as many listeners. But he just wanted to hear his name on radio. I didn't even learn about what texting was until two thousand seven. So you would just call during the show? <laughs> oh my! Like he's somehow defending it or something. Wow. And I, I'm not saying it was before two thousand seven. Hmm. I mean, what's it been? You started with me like in twelve or thirteen, right? So it was 13, year- yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it was years before yeah. that. Exactly. I remember I was at a show at the Riviera somehow. It was like a lot. And like, it was like four times during the show he kept texting in. It was like he was a co-host. Oh, okay. He but, was- by text. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, he's not even denying it. Guilty. I could see Fez being one of those hecklers in the crowd. Oh, Shout he- out, he- RJ's up on the stage. He's heckling you. <laughs> heckling me? Yeah. That'd be his worst mistake. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I'm like Steve Carell in the big short in Vegas. Excuse me. One more question. You probably relate to him. I, I thought I loved his role. I mean, you do realize he's supposed to be like hyper unsympathetic other than like the death of his brother. Did you think hmm. he was supposed to be sympathetic? <laughs> hmm. Do you see the big short? I have not. I've heard good things. Pay attention to me. Yeah, me. Nobody else. Just me. Me, me, me. Me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We. Oh, I'll give my total. Here's the thinking, and I love this game. I actually already bet it. I'm going to tweet out our ticket or my ticket. Faz, you put a little something on this, didn't you? I did. You like the rationale? Oh, big time. So here's the story, and this will be a good time to go through 
some of the division round numbers. So home teams, division round against the spread, 30 and 37, one push. This goes back to 2001. If opponent is off a road game, I thought that was an interesting one. 12 and 19 for the home team. So it's showing you that road team does a little bit better. Road, road. If laying seven or more in 2005 onward, in this case, one and 10. We talked about that. That's the home team laying seven or more. That's Baltimore in this case. Well, I'm sorry. Check that. It was Baltimore. Not the case here for Houston. Over under 13 overs, 18 unders in the case of the first two games when it was road, road, right? San Fran, Baltimore as home. Here it gets interesting. If opponent is off a home game against the spread, 18 and 18, so it evens it out, one push, over, under. So here's the situation, division round, home team versus an opponent who had a home game last game, Houston, over 24, under 13, almost six points per game to the over. But if favored by five or more, 20 and six over, 20 and six, almost eight points per game. Here's the rationale. You got a team that's a clear favor, a bigger favor, five or more. They've been waiting. They're energized. A lot of the same things that we had talked about with they keep the pedal to the metal if they're up big. The uh, underdog fights back even if they're down big. That means points, points, points. And they're not afraid to, um, I think to some degree, I was thinking game, you know, like, I'm not sure, but I don't want to stretch it. I, I think there's something about if a team's a bigger underdog and they're not able to slow the game down. Like it's one of those things, if you can slow the game way down, you would. But if not, you take a lot of risks, right? The theory yeah. is, remember what the Eagles did against New England? The theory was, we got to go for it on fourth. We, gotta, we, we can't play it safe. I don't know, maybe. More likely to fake a punt. Maybe, yeah, I think there's something there. But I know there's something there otherwise. And plus, the home team is rested. I mean, going on the road is fatiguing. The market might overreact to it. Now, that's strong, I think. And again, eight points per game. This is stronger. And by the way, that's not any cherry pick. That's the entire span that we got the data back to 2001. Now, here's the flip side. Houston falls into the category of a team that's been outpointed on the season. And this applies just to regular season, though Houston has actually still been outpointed even after a first-round win. So in the wild-card round, teams that have been outpointed on the season, 9-7 and seven straight up, 10-5-1 against the spread. Very surprising. The next week, division round, outpointed on the season, 0-7 straight up, 1-6 against the spread. So that obviously speaks to Kansas City. So to wrap that concept up, then we'll go to the total. No team outscored on the season has advanced to the conference championship game. And this is from 2001 onward. Texans have been outscored on the season. But in the conf- or division round, when they've been outscored on the season, seven games, 7-0 and to the over, 7-0. and to me, that's coming out completely out of left field. This team isn't as good as they seem. And what's going to happen? There's going to be more margin than you think, 
right? They're one and six against the spread. When they finally play someone good enough to get a bye, who's totally focused, other teams a little bit flat, or I'm sorry, not flat, but a little fatigued from the week before, maybe lucky to win, crush, crush, crush. And you say, all right, that points to Kansas City. But what happens in these crushing games, what we know for sure is overs happen more in the playoffs. Typically in the regular season, we might think a team getting crushed, they take the air out of the ball in the second half. We've already debunked that. So what we're really saying here is there's two different ways we're getting at it. This is likely a Kansas City blowout, and it's also likely an over. And you know, Fez, the more I think about this, I think it's correlated. I agree, The whole premise here is Kansas City with a big lead is going to cause a lot of points. Maybe we parlay it up. And we've been talking about that Kansas City defense that's so much improved. So because of that, do we really think that Houston's going to get more than 21 points? We're counting on Kansas City to get us this over. Well, I mean, I'm I'm thinking about the game, the football science of it. I'm thinking that we're just going to have a team dominant. And we know Deshaun Watson's not giving up. No. Right? I mean, this is a, those two feel like this is the shootout, the okay corral, mm, right? I like mm-hmm. that. And we bet this baby over 50 and a half, which, uh, again, key number 51, I heard. That's the rumor. Is that true, Fest? <laughs> it is. What do you think, Brad? I'm not opposed to it. I don't want action on that one, RJ. All right. I just thought I'd give it to you. Yeah, I'll no. give you one more plus on your over here. Uh-huh. So I'm looking at these, um, how often teams run the ball. And I'm thinking, oh, Kansas City, you know, they had a lot of big leads this year. I bet they run the ball pretty much close to the NFL average despite being a passing team. Well, they don't. Kansas City only runs the ball 38% of the time. So think about this. Kansas City's throwing the ball 62% of the time despite having the lead in the vast majority of their games this year. Plus, that, Matt Moore's stats are blended in there. Exactly oh, right. Point. So you got three games with Matt Moore in there as well when they were more conservative. So Andy Reid in the playoffs is not going to take his foot off the gas pedal. He said more conservative. <laughs> Matt Moore and more. So <laughs> that said, people might say, RJ, why do you care about Matt Moore? It's like, because he's worth eight points or seven and a half points. He isn't some backup running back. That's why. You get it, Fez? Usually that's when you mention <laughs> a quarterback or a player that was yeah. out. Yes, and even when Matt Moore wasn't in there, certainly there were at least three games that Mahomes clearly was compromised with his ankle injury and then with his kneecap injury where Kansas City probably did look to run the ball more and not throw as often, protecting him. Thank you very much, Steve. Mm. Fazek, why are you talking like that? Wouldn't it be funny if you heard him like talking to his wife on the phone? It'd be like, let me tell you something. Honey, like, do you ever do that? Or do you talk like normal? Reprogramming time. If only you guys heard like what Steve need your help with the with the groceries. I'm not home right now. It's like at the end of a live wagering. I'll be home in five minutes. Mm. Pulling back the curtain. <laughs> Jeez. Running at ninety six kilohertz with an input to output latency of less than point seven of a millisecond. What's that off of? It's it's my new one. Fezzik acts like a computer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Running at 96 kilohertz with an input to output latency of less than 0.7 of a millisecond. Steve Fezzik, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Would it really shock you if he ripped off his face? No, I, seriously. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, if, yeah. if we're in a simulation, <laughs> you know, a lot of people would speculate. All right, Brad, what else you got? 
I like KC here. Uh, let's talk oh, about is it. Is it written down? Yeah, I all do. Right, it's right. in the notes. Like Kansas City. Let's talk about Andy Reid off a of bye in his entire career. Mm-hmm. 19 and 9 against the spread. Doesn't si- I mean, it's really good. I'd sign, sign me up for that anytime, but exceeding expectations by five and a half points per game. And it's been consistent. About five and a half points per game in Philadelphia, five and a half points per game here at KC. And this is good for your total, RJ. Where do you most expect Andy Reid to exceed expectations? He on the offense because he's an offensive oriented coach. That's number one. Number two for me, can you look? I, I think Bill O'Brien takes a little too much flack for a guy that's won four division titles in five years, but this has not been a good spot for O'Brien when he's been an underdog of seven or more points, two and seven against the spread, falling short by eight and a half points per game, like Casey here. I like Casey as well. Houston overrated. They're nine and three now in close games. Of course, they've got a good record in close games. How else do you think they went ten and six? Now eleven and six, despite being outscored. You know, Houston. The O line protection, one of the key handicaps with Houston. Can they protect Watson? Well, they weren't able to do it last week. He got sacked seven times. How he didn't get sacked that eighth time when he took a vicious hit in overtime and somehow escaped from Buffalo, I don't know. But I looked back on their O-line. Now, Titus Howard has been out, one of their linemen. Tunsil has been banged up. Now, Tunsil played last week, and it wasn't clear whether he was going to be able to play. As it turned out, Pro Football Focus graded his performance, Larry Tunsil, as a 52. Let me put that in perspective. 60 to 69 is considered to be a backup lineman. That 52 was the worst performance for Tunzel, according to Pro Football Focus, for the year. So his very worst performance, he was not clearly... His performance was not good, and I would attribute that more than likely to being his health not at 100%. How will his health be here? I would expect that he's going to have problems as well. So this has me with a prop bet. I expect Kansas City's total number of sacks to be three, and I'm going to play over three for my buy price for Kansas City sacks. Running at 96 kilohertz with an input-to-output latency of less than 0.7 of a millisecond. It's all about, we talked about Houston, all the reasons that they're overrated. Although Will Fuller, according to Ian Rappaport, is likely to play, and he's the number two wide receiver. He's really important for Houston. Which is good for the total. Which is good for the over. And I just think Kansas City's offense is clearly underrated with the three games with Matt Moore and the games with Mahomes being injured and that defense improving. Well, I mean, see, that's an interesting point with the defense. I guess the thing I'm a little concerned about is the idea – of how good is this Kansas City defense? Because if I'm betting the over, I mean, if you look at the points per game, it's as good as anyone for a while, right? Yeah, 11.5 points KCD is giving up over the last six games. But I will say this, that Kansas City defense, good pass rush. I think there's a really good chance we get a defensive score or certainly uh, turnovers. If we're, if we're thinking of a defensive score. Or turnovers setting up scores because hmm. because their, their pass rush is going to get after Watson, and there's a real good chance you're going to get some turnovers that's going to create some quick points. And I will say this. It's not like they were playing a bunch of elite offenses down the stretch. Last six games, the best offense according to DVOA, Oakland, number nine. And number nine when Oakland, I saw that offensively. I was like, wow, that's high. McKenzie. Let's look at the defensive DVOA for Kansas City back during the – how many games back are you going, six? Six. six? six. games. And just give me an average. And remember, negative is a good number here. So, all right, let's jump to the next game. Got that uh, for you. Go ahead. Negative 9%. That's not that good. 
I mean, that's just barely better. I mean, like a really good game is like negative 35. That would be eighth in the, in the league right now. Okay, that's interesting. So you're saying if we look at the season long, DVOA, the eighth best DVOA is like minus nine or something. Uh, that's right. Oh, that surprises me. All right, now that's an interesting way to go at this, right? We just sum the games. Yep. Or at mean, average, and compare it to the season long. But really, that was on the outside of what we were thinking, Fez, right? Yeah, so maybe I – clearly I haven't adjusted enough for strength of schedule in the offense. When it's points per play. game is one during that span, but DVOA says eight, that's a sign, mm. you know, other factors. I mean, it's not just strength of schedule. It could be they move the ball a lot but didn't yeah. get the points. Uh, next game. Final game, Seattle at Green Bay. Well, remember, we're going to be doing the national championship game, too. Final NFL game. Seattle at Green Bay on Sunday right now. Green Bay, four-point favorite, totals 47. What do you got, Fess? Leading to Green Bay here. And, RJ, tip of the cap, you've been saying Seattle's overrated. Oh, geez, they just covered. I, I don't want to tip too much here. <laughs> you've been saying that all year long. They're two games away from the Super Bowl. I don't think you have to worry about it. Uh, Seattle's now 11-2 and in close games decided by one score. Seattle has only outscored their opponents by seven points in the regular season. Their yards per play differential has actually been negative at minus point three, and now they get a oh they get a playoff win they get a nice win on the road. Well, that playoff win obviously was assisted by the fact that they got to play against McCown for three and a half quarters as well. So a whole lot of things have gone right for Seattle overall to look at their twelve and five record. I want to bet against this team. I really want to bet against Seattle, but the problem is. Many of the things I just said about Seattle is true about Green Bay. Green Bay being overrated, that they're 13-3. and They've only outscored their opponents by 63 points. That would be more like a 10-6 and type team versus a 13-3 and team. And Green Bay's yard per play differential is negative as well. So I've got bet against versus bet against. I'm going to lean to Green Bay just because I have Green Bay the better team. Green Bay four for home field advantage. I think Seattle's 8-1 and one performance on the road this year is being overvalued. I, I've, I've heard everyone in the national narrative, oh, Seattle's a great road team. And I just think the data sample is too small for that. And if Green Bay gets four for home field, Green Bay's better than Seattle. So Green Bay's cheap land four. If you ask me right now to give you the names of my eight wives, I couldn't do it. It's defesic, everyone. <laughs> Brad. <laughs> what do you got, Brad? I was going to query up how Seattle was on the road prior to this year. All right. Well, but, when you're done talk. <laughs> I think the storyline clear. Both teams overrated. Therefore, I'm going to the total here. I'm going under. First thing for me is I think Seattle's compromised at running back. Marshawn Lynch has not made a difference for them each of the last two games. On the other side, I think we RJ led the way here, and he actually did it last year. Aaron Rodgers, unless you know it's one play you need to make in a game, has that elite arm talent. But other than that, Aaron Rodgers is no longer an elite quarterback when you're looking at the advanced metric of, say, yards per attempt, Fezzik, the last four or five years. <laughs> and we have seen they, they have been much more reliable as far as running the football this year, much more reliant, I should say, Unders cash seven or last eight games. It's going to be mid-20s. Under 47 looks good to me. Lean. I'm just worried these two are going to – I just feel like if you want to play under, I think you play under in the first half. Good point. Right? This feels like a comeback, comeback, comeback here. That Meaning I could see them train touchdowns 
because they're going to look over at the other one, and it's like Bird versus Dominique kind of thing. Good point. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that, and it, it sure seems like Seattle tries to run the ball. Let's face it, their M.O. is running the ball, and they haven't been successful. Last game, Homer, one yard per carry. Lynch, one yard per carry. So the backup running backs aren't getting it done, but I still think Seattle's going to try to establish that run initially. And then, as we discussed, after halftime, gotta, we're behind. Here comes Russell Wilson with his crazy scrambles. Probably more points scored in the second half than the first half. Now there's a steal by I like that. I like that, that was a lot. Awesome. When he goes, wow, that play by Bird. <laughs> I mean, he was living it, man. That's a call. What a play by Bird, though. Wow. Think about that. Um, over under first half versus game typically is going to be what, Faz? And let's look at the number. Yeah, typically the first half is just slightly less than right. 50%. So what's the game right now? 47. All right. So we're saying 23 and a half. So you're saying what? 22 and a half, 23? 23, and that's what it is. 23. Okay. And flat, 23 flat? Yes. So you're saying the conversions, there's no adjustment being made. That's right. So I like this, huh, Brian? Yeah, I'm a better right now. You like it? Yeah, I do. Under, what, what's the best number out? We got, so we're like in the under, right? What's the best number out there? First half under twenty three, you can get it at reduced vig. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just knock it out. Yep, I'll get you the money fast. Don't worry about it. Your, your credit's good with me. Damn, yeah. it's a big step. That is. wasn't like that a couple years ago, RJ. Oh come on, we, we didn't know how long <laughs> you'd be around. Yeah, that truck could have it could have been like Brandon Walsh leaving. Yep. Remember when he drove away? And they were playing night swimming. Yeah. I don't remember that. Oh. It was uh, the R.E.M. song. It's kind of sad. It was the end of an era. And then to think that Dylan's dead. I mean, when you've got, like, the guy who represents, like, the James Dean of your generation dying. How'd he die? These people would die when they're, like, 48 or something. And it's like, uh, he died. It's like, how? (laughs) Right? People don't, don't, usually don't just kill over at 48, do they? I mean, like, it might be a heart attack. It, like, what was the cause of that? What's it saying? Mm-hmm. You're right. Just died. Just died. Yeah. I mean, like, are they really... I mean, if he was, if he was like, running heroin or whatever, then, like, somehow hiding... Suffered it? a stroke. Massive stroke. How does that happen at that age? Yeah, and he's in shape. He I was think, just in that movie, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think there was a, a glad, maybe, perhaps, allegedly. No, I wouldn't even say allegedly, but it just seems suspicious. But <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it's just my grief talking. <laughs> I did like Dylan, actually, a lot. Professor, were you a 90210 fan? I was not uh, avid, but I was a fan. 
What was it, like a gal you had the hots for, liked it, and you wanted to be conversant? Uh, when my sister wanted to watch it, I'd watch it. But it was like you would never watch it by yourself? No, not really. Jenny Garth just wasn't hot enough. I, I was a little young for that. So, How old were I mean, this was like 90, you know, 95, 96. Oh, uh, Yeah. I was I was old enough. <laughs> Maybe Jenny Garth was too old at that point. It's probably the short hair. I'm not into short hair. Huh. TMI. Jeez. All right, what else we got? I'm getting bored. All right, need your advice on this because right. I can't speak coach speak and you can. Pete Carroll says, oh, we didn't get Lynch involved. Just do the opposite. Just assume right. he's lying. So Pete Carroll says Lynch will play more against the Packers. Is he lying or is he telling the truth? Hmm. <laughs> All right, what else we got? I'm getting bored. All right, need your advice on this because right. I can't speak coach speak and you can. Pete Carroll says, oh, we didn't get Lynch Just involved. Just do the opposite. Just assume right. he's lying. So Pete Carroll says Lynch will play more against the Packers. Is he lying or is he telling the truth? Hmm. I don't see... That sounds like a good new segment, though, for SOV. Take, like, two or three coaches' comments during the press conferences for the week and say, is it, go to RJ. RJ, is he Do saying we the believe, truth? Oh, truth. We believe, or, okay. Well, see, that would happen. I think it would have to be college, maybe, mostly, because yeah. I won't even know the coach. I don't want to, like, try. I just want to okay. hear them and say, could this be true? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. That's good. And we could even do one-offs of that throughout the year in basketball or whatever if yeah. we hear something interesting. We'll do. But I think about 98% of the time it's going to be – it'll be funny yeah. if every time I say they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> lie. <laughs> like I have a buzzer. Yeah. Fez, I, the only thing that makes me think that might not be a lie is the idea that he's protecting himself. In a way, he made this signing. He could have signed someone else. He got Lynch off the couch, right? Expectations went up. I just got to wonder – does he feel like if Lynch lays an egg, it's on him? Mm. But I think Carroll's probably passed that to some. But some guys are not, you know, like, I don't know. What do you think? Like, why would he say that? Because if you're playing, I don't see how he doesn't play. I think he's telling the truth. Yeah. It seems logical. Hey, we just got him off the couch. All right, he's got a few games in play. Let's go ahead. Now the playoffs, higher stakes. Trust him more not to fumble. Now, there's a famous story, or it's not famous, but it's it's around, that when Ali was fighting George Foreman in Zaire, he, there was an interview he did, Ali, and they said, what do you think Foreman should do? He said, the only chance Foreman has is to lay back. Don't come at me. Because if he comes at me, he can't win. And in hindsight, that's exactly the advice that – you would have gave Foreman. And they, they, you know, the belief was that what Ali was doing was he was trying to bait him, like saying, because he didn't understand, he wouldn't have understood, right? Because the whole rope of dope didn't exist before this. He invented it. There was never a pun- let a guy punch himself <laughs> out. It just didn't exist. And I think 73 it was, or 74. And I find it fascinating that sometimes they'll tell the truth, people will, if it's a situation where, it engenders something in the other person that gets you what you want, like a taunting in this case. Maybe it's Carol saying, I'm challenging Green Bay to stop him. You know, and it doesn't sound, you know, if he would have said something like he's going to play more, I think he's going to be effective against his Packer defense. 
Now, what would the Packers potentially do? We got to stop this guy, and then it'd be a deception. I don't know. It just, but why else does he say? I think it sounds like he's defending himself. That he has he not gotten a lot of carries. Lynch has not gotten a lot of carries. No. So, so in a way, he's kind of saying, I guess he's trying to send a signal to his own team that, like, we're in this thing in a way because if Lynch was the savior and Lynch wasn't getting carries. If you were on Seattle and you felt like Lynch was going to be ready for more carries, wouldn't you be happy? Yes. But why do you say it publicly, though? Mm -hmm. Who knows? I mean, that's another thing. Maybe I always like to see the context because they might have caught him rushing out to the car. Yeah, Yeah, he'll play more. He'll play more. Where'd you get that from? I think just Yahoo Sports. Just saw the quote? Yeah. All right. What else we got? Anything? I mean, what I know is this. Both teams have been out yarded on the season. And you had a great stat on that. It's only happened one other time, RJ. Yeah, so back from 2001, again, where we got our data for the playoffs, one time have we had two teams play at any point in the playoffs and both being out-yarded on the year. This is, this is something we'll have to look at in the offseason. Here's the top yardage teams in the NFL. Net yards. Baltimore's one. Dallas, out of the playoffs, is two. San Fran, three. New England out of the playoffs, four. Chargers out of the playoffs, five. Tampa out of the playoffs, six. New Orleans out of the playoffs, seven. Rams out of the playoffs, eight. Buffalo out of the playoffs, nine. Kansas City, ten. So two of the top nine teams, net yards, are in the playoffs with eight to go. What the heck? Well, YPP... It's not looking like such a predictive uh, stat anymore, is it now? <clears throat> now, people said, oh, why didn't you do net yards per play? I actually think net yards tells you more because net yards per play, Fez, and tell me if you agree, talks about efficiency, right, every time you snap the ball. This is saying the number of snaps you get matters. Why? Well, if, you, if it's a fast pace, both sides are going to get an equal number of increased snaps. This seems like this just accounts for turnovers in a way that it should don't you think? Yes, and I think it also is accounts for the fact if you've got a team, a high-variance team that's not moving the chains, um, the, the YPP for a running team is compromised because when you're running the ball more, it's really hard to have a good YPP. But, but, but yards is a better indicator. Oh, oh that's interesting because you're saying that you'll have more plays because you'll have even more third, third and shorts. So more plays makes you look less efficient. But if you keep moving the chains, it's fine. Yep. That's a good point. That was beyond my point there. You know, let's give it to them. It's warranted. Now, Kansas City, number 10, is less than 30 yards per game. So literally six of the eight teams in the final eight are Less than plus 30 yards per game. So either Kansas City plus 29, Minnesota plus 13, Tennessee plus 1, Seattle minus 1, Green Bay minus 7, Houston minus 28. Houston's been outpointed. Houston's been out-yarded. Not going to say I'd lay 100 to make a dollar or anything like that, but I certainly would have laid 20 to make a dollar that, that that would not occur. What exactly? That we would have only two 
uh, that six of the eight teams um, with Below the best numbers. Yards. Yes. Yeah. I mean. Hey, did you happen to see that Houston, that the Sean Watson play, that late touchdown? That Watson's just incredible. How did, what did you, how'd it go? It looked, he got hit so hard, I thought his ribs were going to be broken. He spun out of there, just um, made the play, won the game. <laughs> Anything else, Brad? Nothing on that game. Oh, you know what? I do have one thing. I did find it. I was looking at the matchup. So when Wilson plays Rodgers, and I was looking for trends, I did find it somewhat surprising the home teams won all seven games, and they've covered by an average of eight and a half points per game. Hmm. Well, if you look at this, if we say who's the top three home teams in the NFL, at least in the last five, I mean, just looking at your power ratings, Fez, who's all above three? You've got Seattle and Green Bay are the only ones above three and a half. They both are four. They're the top two teams. So Fair enough. But but that's the thing. There's this talk about Seattle and they're seven and one this year. Yeah, and I did look that up before this year. Seattle won about fifty two percent of their road games, covered about fifty two percent in the Russell Wilson era prior to this year, two thousand twelve through eighteen, seven years. Good stuff. All right, got a prop. Go. All right. Let's, Whoa, hold, let's make this a best bet, huh? Oh, absolutely. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Green Bay's number one wide receiver, Devontae Adams, is surging. We're going to play him over 90 pass yards. That's what I expect the number to be. I would play it up to 95 pass yards. Let's face it, Adams has been banged up most of the year. Missed four games in October. It seemed like every game, Devontae Adams, game time decision, then he doesn't play. He finally comes back in November, doesn't play very well in November. 43, 64, 41 yards. But now, in December, he is hitting his stride. Last three games for Adams, and he certainly eye tests, says he looks 100% healthy. 103 yards, 116 yards, 93 yards. This Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers in the league, but he hasn't been this year. He got just under 1,000 yards for the year because he missed those four games and he wasn't so good in some other games. Well, it's because of his health, and now that he's 100%, I absolutely, in a big game, and with the number 2 wide receiver for Rodgers being Lazar, I expect Adams to have a really big game, going to go over the 90 yards. Dr. Steve Fezzik, everyone. Motherfucker made himself some money. All right. <laughs> those props. Motherfucker made himself some money. What's that off of? Prop Joe. Hmm. Mackenzie, grab me the uh, Brad's now the spokesman for Manscaped. Oh, jeez. Grab that. Now, listen. Brad is an aspiring media guy. He's going to be credentialed at the Super Bowl this year, strutting around with his credential. Doesn't come for free. Does not come for free. <laughs> One commercial, Brad Powers. And it is Manscaped, a new advertiser here for the Dream Preview. And support for RJ Bell's Dream Preview comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Guys, it's 2020. And you know what that means. I love the turn there. That was pretty good. Wally Balls, it's my alias. Speaking of balls, new year, new me, new balls. Men, listen up. Harry Bushes or so, 2019, more like 1989, Fez. If you're going to pick any New Year's... I mean, look at his his hair. 
Well, look just at my hair. Of, just think I, of it. I, I, now, all I'm joking aside, sold already. All, all joking aside, Fez, die or not? How many bottles? No, no, I'm, I'm serious. Because, I mean, thinking about, I've seen your mane up top when you, you, when you are a week or two behind. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, yeah. It, yeah, it's the, Grandpa. Grandpa. Every, every, every three weeks. Otherwise, I look like, what is it, Pepe Le Pew, the, the skunk with the white stripe? But uh, I don't think you get where he's <laughs> going. We're talking about the curtains and the drapes. It's a delicacy. Jeez. <laughs> Go ahead. Maybe you'll catch on. Fest still doesn't get it. Well, guys, if you're going to pick any New Year's resolution this year, let it be to take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and don't use the si- guys. Don't do this. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just dirty. I can't believe you did that. Manscaped also has the crop preserver. I mean, when he gets his little those red splotches, now I understand. (laughs) An anti-chaffing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? All right, hurry up. Get to the end. Here's the call to action. Guys, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DREAM. That's D-R-E-A-M at manscaped.com. Start the new year off the right way by using the best tools for the job. Your balls will thank you again. That code DREAM at manscaped.com. Get 20% off plus free shipping. Fez, do you understand yet? I got it now, RJ. Running at 96 kilohertz with an input-to-output latency of less than 0.7 of a millisecond. See, he's right on. <laughs> you get it, don't you? Yeah, you're going to see how it works? Yep. Brad, I got to give you credit. <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm just yeah. giving you credit. All right. Last thing. Monday championship game. Yep. We're just going to sit back and listen. Yeah, best bet for me. I am, and I normally don't have like a best bet unless we're talking maybe a player prop when it comes to the national championship. I do have a best bet, and it is on the side, and I am taking the underdog here. You can find at multiple places in town here in Vegas, Clemson plus six. To me, it seems like a clear overreaction to what people just saw last. There was look ahead lines for this exact matchup at multiple books. Prior to the semifinals, some books had LSU minus one, Clemson. Some books had Clemson minus one. What did old Brad Powers, the Mr. LSU hater, what did I have my power ratings prior to the semifinals? I had this game at Pickham. As long as you gave LSU two and a half points of home field advantage, and I do think that's the case here. That's an extreme amount, but I do think it's warranted with them playing an hour away in the uh, Superdome here in New Orleans. So I happened to be at the LSU-Oklahoma game. Okay. I think that was 2003. I'm not sure. Yep, you're Um, right. And I was there. You know, it was right around New Year's, and we were there, you know, in the French Quarter and all that for New Year's. It was pretty fanatical. Now, again, it's been 15 years or whatever or more. But, um, you know, it and it was Oklahoma, right? So in theory, I mean, does Clemson travel a lot better? Than Oklahoma? No. Probably yeah. about an equal though. Yeah, so it was it was uh 
It was 85-15, I think. Okay. So, you know, for whatever that's worth. Did you go to the Ohio State one, too? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Buckeyes had to represent a little bit more. Oh, yeah. 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 Actually, we I had tickets from a coach friend, and somehow I didn't get them at the last minute. We had to scalp them. First time we got – only time I ever bought counterfeit tickets. Finally, we got in third try – we were in the last – literally, we could touch the top of the Superdome. Oh, my God. It was God. the last row. And uh, if you recall, there was a touchdown return on the kickoff that no. we did. No, that was Ted Ginn in yeah, the national a... championship before. Really? Beanie Wells ripped one off early in, in okay, the LSU Okay, because game. all I remember is I was very excited. Oh, the other one was against Florida. Okay. Yep. I was I was at that game. But Beanie ripped one that off That was early. in Arizona. Yeah, yep. I was – but Jeez, I like it. Uh, well, you know, I, I the funny thing is, this is going to sound crazy. Yeah. I've only seen one NFL game in my life. Like I was in the state. It was a Super Bowl. Wow. And I've only the only college football games I've ever been to that. I was on the sidelines for a couple of UNLV games. But other than that, I've only been to national championship games. I've been to like four or five and then a couple like the Orange Bowl. So I'm just I'd rather be at home. Betting, you know, or whatever, right? Just relaxing. I like to hear the announcers. Like, I think they teach you things, but I have at times, uh, it's been fun, you know? The Super Bowl, I'll tell you this, just one quick one, because, you know, this was against Arizona, right? So it would have been the second in a couple years, but uh, I was, that was the one game I was at. And uh, remember, that was a Harrison game. Remember, Big Ben got the ball late in that game. It was third and 14. People forget that. Big Ben's a, a a man. I mean, whatever you want to say, he was a man. And and then that was the amazing Holmes catch. Yep. Remember what a cut. One of the throw. best Super Bowls ever. Oh well, yeah. You know, especially at Harrison play, we were in the we we were on that side. But uh, and there was one guy, old guy, right? He was probably seventy. Big guy, Pittsburgh guy, and it said Super Bowl nine. He had the you know one mm-hmm. X 10, 13, 14. 30, four, was it 30? The one? Yeah, it was 30 against the Cowboys. Yep. 40, dot, 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 I was there. It was like a homemade shirt. Wow. So apparently his dude had gone to every game. But then, at the, you know, Pittsburgh won, and we were, at, uh, we were staying at the, uh, it was like the hotel. I actually saw John Madden there. I saw uh, Patrick. I didn't know, the, you know, know either of them. Um, so, but, you know, it was a cool scene because it was like the media guys. And we were at the bar after, and about it was like four in the morning, and I was drinking, you know. And someone put the Steeler song, you know, here we go, and no crap, like three fourths of the bars up on the tables. <laughs> I just kind of sat back and thought, now this is a scene. I mean, they were just hardcore fans dancing on the table toss at four in the morning. No Super Bowl since. Just, I mean, you know. A lot of you might say, well, I've never won. Well, yeah, because your team's losers. <laughs> Steelers are supposed to win. Anyway, go ahead, Brad. And I, I think Clemson at least wins when it comes to cashing your tickets here. So you like the money line? I would sprinkle a little money line here on Clemson. And why not? L- let me say this. I mean, I just think a, for a defending national champ that's won 29 straight games, I just the, the level of like disrespect towards Clemson this year, and where do we see it? Let's just look at Clemson against the spread. Where RJ, you kind of helped me, you know, look at look at this. Clemson is still two field goals away from being thirteen and one against the spread this year. Two field goals. Now that's impressive. One game against Wofford, and another one where Texas A and M scored a touchdown with five seconds left. That's it. Otherwise, the only really bad performance 
North Carolina. But if you ask any guy in the street, well, this Clemson team's not as good as last year. They almost lost to North Carolina. I mean, they could have lost to Ohio State, but yet Clemson still won the game against Ohio State and covered the game against Ohio State. And RJ, I downgraded Clemson a point. So I was very negative for Clemson after that game. I upgraded LSU two points after the Oklahoma game, something I rarely do at this point in the season. Now, one of my concerns about Oklahoma was that there would be uh, almost a cluster injury effect on defense. and it, there did, w- it did seem like they were thinned out. Well, not only that, but their best player got hurt during the game. Okay. During the early part of the game, uh, the, the, the only legitimate like all-conference player that Oklahoma has, Kenneth Murray, their middle linebacker, the quarterback of the defense, got gimpy he was lame coming up with cramps so he was he missed a couple series came in and he was just relatively ineffective don't like the money line in this game because we're seeing the super bowl uh type of oh, money point, line Pez. issue you're only getting plus 190 during the regular season a plus six so if you, you do get plus if you do like and and just to be uh explain that real quick yeah so what happens in these title games and these super bowl games is oftentimes everyone who's betting the underdog is a recreational better so they just bet them to win so it puts a lot of pressure on that money like the line the spread's confusing even to them exactly so what you see is you see money lines that are cheaper on the favorite than you would any other time during the year and because the money line for a 6 point favorite is so low here on Clemson I would if you're going to play so the money line currently is my uh the Minus 220, take back plus 190. And typically for this spread, what should it be? Minus 250, take back plus 220. So if you want to buck Brad, you want to look at the money line. Mm. Right? Yes. Yep. Let me ask you this. Fez, you were talking about, oh, maybe, oh, wait. Oh, maybe it's, you know, 20% before the season. Do you really believe that it's only 20%? Because I think if you would look at, if LSU would have came in, ranked number one, and they did what they did this year. I wonder if it would be talking to the best team we've ever seen. I mean, let's, let's take a second look at their results, right? So let's accept they mostly blew out teams that were crappy. But give me the, out, give me the big games and give me the outliers against bad teams. Okay. Uh, overall, 10-4 and four against the spread. At Texas, they win by seven, right around the spread. Next game, Florida, win by 14, spreads 13.5. Auburn, at home, they win by three, lines 10.5. At Alabama, the big one, they're five. So I think it's fair to say that even with Tua, Alabama didn't have any. Like Duke was their best win, I think, at that point. Yep. Right? For Alabama. Yeah, it was A&M, but. Fair enough. Well, every. Again, I don't think there can be four teams that all have the best win. Yeah. (laughs) But But A&M's better than Duke. Maybe. But what what I'll say is it was a situation where Tua was, you know, probably not we didn't think he was as hobbled as he was, maybe, but and Alabama was still favored. Yep, five and a half point favorite. Which was a little bit above home field. Yep. So my point is Alabama was the coming out party, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. So let's go from there. After that coming out party So Ol- that game was a win by They win by five. All right. Uh, then Old Miss, they're favored by 21.5. They win by 21. Favored by 42 over Arkansas. They win by 36. Last three games have been the coming out party. They're favored by 17.5 over AM. They win by 43. They're laying 7.5 against Georgia. They win by 27. And they Georgia look, looked pretty good in the ball. They did. The Georgia's backups basically beat a Baylor team. And that game, of course, is in the Georgia Dome where Georgia had the familiarity and the, the crowd. 
And then fi- in the semifinal, they're favored by 13.5 LSU, and they win by 35. Yeah, so maybe I, the way I spoke, let's just say this, that's as good of a run. The last if you three go games, back so. to Alabama, you beat yep, Bama, yeah. and then you win by 30 against Arkansas or whatever, that's supposed to be bad? It's not. I mean, what I'm saying is, is this is a run. How do you even, how do you even question this run? I mean, this is as good five, six games as we've seen, right? I agree. So, like, what has what has Clemson done that's even in that universe? Like, who's the second hardest team Clemson's played? <laughs> Texas A and M. Oh my God! Again? Yeah. That can't be. Who in the hell? Yeah. How many losses did A and M have? Five. What are they like? Number seventeen? And you're? Yeah, they are. Are they really? Well, they lost to five top ten teams. Yeah. Okay. You think with five mm. shots they could have gotten? Yeah, 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 maybe, but yeah, at some point, mm. I, it just feels like how much. That's an interesting question. How much have you upgraded LSU since after the Bama game? So ex- I'll have to look. Except the Bama, meaning that you obviously upgraded them there. I know I've upgraded them six points in the last three games alone. Okay, two each game. Mm. And that's about as much as I do at the end of the season. Maybe it's not been enough, though, because, I mean, they're still easily covering. Because remember now, you were the one saying the game should almost be pick them against, what was that? That was that Georgia game, right? (laughs) No, I I added like four, four No, 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 no. You added three. (laughs) Three. Earlier. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good point. So you are, I mean, let's just be honest. Beyond your bat, you're rooting for LSU to lose bad. I am. Why? I want to be right. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I don't. I, At least you're being honest. I, I'm gonna I be, think you can quit right there. Yeah, I want to be right. <laughs> I like Dabo though. Well, listen. Well, he's one. He's one. You know, I'd be remiss not to borrow one of your handicapping techniques, RJ. The rule of two, and I always give you. I don't four. even know what this is. The rule of two is you take a spread, and oh, you okay. add two and subtract two, and I love this actually. Mm-hmm. And especially look at this game. So, so, so the theory is: can you see the line being either? And still not being like, oh, my God, come on. Yeah, so if LSU was minus four against Clemson, I'm like, yeah, you yeah, know what? That, I agree. That holds water completely. You know, they're going to have the home crowd. And the team, they're a little bit better. Four, yeah, okay. But what if we made this line eight? Yeah, I agree. In what universe? That's excellent. In what universe could Clemson be catching eight, the team that we thought was the better team for the vast majority of the year? No, that's a good point. And in a weird way, this is fear. And this is what you got to – I've never seen Star Wars or any of those goofy movies. But <laughs> but what I'll say is this. There's something Yoda something or the other, and he speaks inverted or something, right? Is There's, there's something about you got to look at it and say, yes, LSU could win by 30. I could be goofy, look goofy, but you know what? Star Wars is goofy, and it made billions. And number two, it could be – it's only one loss. You don't, you're not playing some kind of uh, index or whatever, right, where every yeah. point goes against you. I think that this is not that you're going to have any game as a teaser in college if you're sharp, but I think this is the last game I'd want to tease mm-hmm. if I'm with Clemson. I think LSU could blow them out. You know, you almost got – well, I guess it's hard if there's no value. But if this line was, you know, fair, you know, if it was four, three and a half – I wouldn't mind a pleaser or whatever because I do think LSU might be in another gear here. But I do think the value's got to be on Clemson. Yeah, and I will say... Doesn't this go up? Looking at the public betting percentages, they're saying it's historical in favor of the favorite. They've never seen so much one-sided action on a favorite in a title game. 
I just talked to a big professional better in town last night, and he could not believe that six was hitting, and he he was firing on the plus six. Well, the question is, is this is this an example where the public money is going to overpower the Charlotte? Yeah, that's certainly possible. Right? So Monday, so our one pod this week, but you can get an update on the college, or I'm sorry, the NFL games, rest of the week, and on Monday on Straight Out of Vegas. RJ Bell, pregame.com. Thanks, RJ. That was kind of his bedroom. Yeah. Mm. That's, sometimes, you know, it's early in the morning. Sometimes. You tuck him in that night? <laughs> oh, me and Jerry Jones. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Staying over? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had my own room and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Fez, I want to thank you. Running at 96 kilohertz with an input to output latency of less than 0.7 of a millisecond. Thank you. Thank you, RJ. All right, boys. Straight out of Vegas, 6 o'clock Eastern, iHeartRadio app and all the rest. Bye. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.